Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed. This is one of our big shows, one of our main shows. This is our deep dive show. This is our big briefing room in the middle of the Moncala Cruiser. There is a lot of just dense moisture in the air because that's the way they like their ships. That's a detail I didn't need to add, but I did anyway. Damn it. Anyway, I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm Ken Napsack. Happy to be discussing the humidity in home one and the profundity. <laughs> humidity. That's the that was the better word. That's what I should have used instead of that damn M word. Gets used uh, too much anyway. Anyway, yeah. welcome to a very humid episode 
of Force Center. Uh, we're excited to dive into this topic. It's a nice, good, deep dive topic. But uh, before we do, we want to acknowledge that there's been some Star Wars news dropping. As is often the way, uh, we record our news-based episode on Mondays, and then we release it on Tuesday. And then because the galaxy, because the Force itself knows we do that, sometimes news drops right away. And there is that big EW spread about The Mandalorian. We wanted to assure you that we would be diving into it on our next news-based episode that will come out. If you're listening to this episode when it comes out, that will come out the, this coming Tuesday. So don't worry. We are excited for The Mandalorian Season 2, and we will be digging in. Right, Ken? That episode will be titled, Hey, Look, a Bantha. And it'll be a lot of fun. It'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, as as always the case. And it doesn't matter if we move the show to Mondays. Uh, they release news an hour. It's just the way it works. It is just the way it is. That news, you never know when it's going to come, but it feels like it comes as soon as we stop recording. (laughs) Absolutely. And uh, we we got some Audible support as always. We want to let you know that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. You can get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash forcecenter. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Ken, what are we recommending this week? This week, we are recommending Thrawn Ascendancy, colon, Chaos Rising by Timothy Zahn. Learn all about the Chiss Ascendancy in this book and more. Download your free audiobook today at audibletrial.com slash center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash center for your free audiobook. We will be discussing that book uh, soon here on Force Center, so get it now and be ready for that discussion. That is right. I'm excited for people to listen or read Uh, very soon here. I'm going to be diving into all of those very nice blue pages. The blue pages are super cool, and I'm super excited uh, to dig into that. But for now, we are going to dig into our topic for this week. Uh, The topic is seeing ourselves in Star Wars. So we want to discuss that big idea. And uh, we think that one of the reasons that diversity in Star Wars matters is because we believe that everyone deserves to see themselves in that galaxy far, far away that we all love. And uh, we're doing this with the full realization that while there have been some great strides forward with representation in Star Wars, we still think there's a, a long way to go, particularly on screen. And we also really want to acknowledge that uh, we have been extremely lucky as uh, straight, white, cisgendered men to have lots of opportunities to see ourselves in Star Wars, to see different versions of ourselves in Star Wars. And we're hoping that by sharing some of our experiences that we can highlight what a a joyful, impactful thing it is to, to see yourself in Star Wars. And that by highlighting our own very lucky experiences, we can really demonstrate why it is that we want everyone to have the opportunities that we've had. Ken, what are your just big picture thoughts on that? I just think it's it's so important. The question of who's your favorite Star Wars character now has just much more importance on it, much more value to it. And to see where we've come and where we can go, it's important. I, I grew up in a, in a small town where it was it was me and, and those like me. Uh, and that 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 I never questioned it. Never questioned it. Never, never would never have seen Star Wars in it as anything. But uh, yeah, that that's me. And and it isn't just uh, uh, skin color. It isn't just backgrounds. It's just it's a whole bunch of things of of, of seeing yourself in Star Wars. And I just love that now it is is important to be different because the Star Wars fan galaxy is so huge and the story so big and the world so big. 
that it helps bring in more people. And I'm all about entry points into Star Wars. And I'm all about more people coming in here and just enjoying Star Wars. And I never find that to be a bad thing. Yeah, well said, well said. Um, and before we dig into any of, uh, of our experiences that we wanted to share, uh, we have a message from the wonderful Jennifer Landa that we wanted to share on the idea of seeing yourself in Star Wars. That's right. Let's fire up the hologram machine. <laughs> now. Growing up Star Wars in the 1980s was a little different for me. While many kids watched the films and saw themselves in the heroes of the rebellion, I did not. In fact, I couldn't relate to any of the human characters on screen. Heck, Leia was the only prominent female character in the original trilogy, besides Mon Mothma and Ula, of course. And so, as a little brown girl, the notion that I could save the galaxy seemed impossible. Seeing Billy D. Williams as Lando Calrissian was exciting, but as a five-year-old, the lack of diversity on screen made me feel like maybe people like me weren't supposed to be the heroes. And therefore, I saw myself elsewhere in the galaxy, amongst the creatures. Seeing Rodians and Chatter fans, Ugnaughts and Wampas all coexisting in this weird world made me feel like it was a galaxy where perhaps strange little me could fit in. Droids weren't allowed in the Mos Eisley Cantina, but no one would flinch if I bellied up to the bar. That's why I fell in love with Star Wars, and fantasizing about having a Wookiee as a best friend became my favorite pastime. Many, many years later, I am really thankful to see how Star Wars has been taking more steps to become more inclusive in their stories. It was thrilling to see characters like Bodhi Rook, Cassian Andor, Baze, and Chirrut in Rogue One. And the books have been particularly excellent. I related to Leia's teenage angst in Leia, Princess of Alderaan. As a mom, when I read Catalyst, Bloodline, and Last Shot, I empathize with both Lyra Urso and General Leia trying to balance their work life with a baby. I know this new era of Star Wars is just beginning, and I know the galaxy will become even richer as the creators who tell the stories are diversified. Yes, we still have a lot of work to do in terms of representation on screen and behind the camera, but like any good Star Wars hero, I have hope. There you go. Amazing. Amazing. Ken, what are your uh, reactions to that? Uh, I, I, my immediate reaction is to just say amazing multiple times because it is really, really powerful. Uh, I think it's powerful for anybody who's listened to Four Center, you know, back in the days when Jennifer could be with us always. But it's really powerful for me to, to hear our uh, co-podcaster and our friend really share that that personal experience. Yeah, what what it means for me is is a child of the '80s who who didn't have these questions on my mind or these uh, problems in in front of me or not problems but obstacles or thoughts and different perspectives. Right, I just didn't have it in front of me. And and why would you? You're a kid seven in in a, in a town growing up, and you, and you connect with Star Wars. So I think it's important for uh, fans of 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 uh, my ilk and my age group uh, as as Star Wars changes in front of you, and and to be true, that doesn't change a lot it's just who's on screen or who's in the pages uh fighting these uh, wars in the stars that you love so much it's still there the themes are still there um it, it's important to stop and listen that this, this is happening at the same time that i'm not questioning any of this 
Uh, and, and that's where I, and I've heard Jennifer talk about this kind of stuff off air too, where it bums me out in a way, not, not bum, to be clear, not bums me out in a way of like mad at George or everything like star Wars still reaches a lot of people just on the power of its, it's, 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 it's of what it is and it's myth. Like I don't want to be unclear about that, but, but to be like, Oh yeah, I didn't, I experienced this as an, in a different way. And it wasn't until late in life that I even thought to think that there would be another way to experience it. Yeah. That's for me. When I'm yeah. on the ground uh, playing with my Y wings or talking to my friend about my Y wing uh, at home, you know, that's one way to enjoy it. But it did, did that, that the, the lunch table uh, around the, around the corner, there was a different experience. And I've always talked about, I, I grew up, you and you and I both grew up in that era, but you know, where there, it just, it was not expected for a girl to quote, like star Wars, right. That wasn't. And I, I and I always say, man, I wish I, but, and, and girls did like Star Wars, but I, I, I wish I grew up knowing that a uh, Jennifer Landa existed around <laughs> the other lunch tables. You know what I mean? Yeah. I really wish I did. And so, and, and, and there's a lot, lot there in what she talks about with Leia and Mothma and Beru and Ula kind of being some of the only choices for her in terms of just human females. So anyways, that's where it affects me. It goes back to that and be like my, my interactions in Star Wars upbringing are, are mine and great and, and they're not wrong and, and they're what I experienced, but I just would never have thought to allow for other experiences uh, until later in life. And that includes, by the way, I'll start, this is, this is simple and on the surface and not directly what Jennifer's talking about, but having to learn that there was uh, a generation of fans that grew up with the prequels being their star Wars. Mm-hmm. And you have to allow for that perspective too. That's, that's part of all of this as well as we're going to discuss. And I started learning that on Jedi Alliance of, yeah, yeah, I kind of like these things, but I'll take a big general, silly, snarky swipe at the prequels. And some fans very politely like, Hey, Hey, I love the show, but you know, that, that, that affected me. And I love that. And like allowing for that, I've had to learn to Joseph to not be a snarky towards the EU because number one, I respect that it kept the star Wars flame alive, even though I don't love a lot of the stories I've talked often about. Yeah. Jade's just not one of my favorite characters. I have that luxury to say that. Uh, if you were, say, a teenage girl in the 90s who loved Star Wars and you had Leia and you wanted something new, Mara Jade represents something entirely different to you than it does to me. And I can still say, hey, you know, I don't super connect with Mara Jade, but I, I, I can't, that can't be the end of my Star Wars conversation. I have to engage with those who love that character, who were moved by that character, who only had a few choices in characters to find themselves. And, and uh, I, that, that's a good positive reminder. And that's, that's all listening to Jennifer talk, what, what all comes to mind and how it affects me. Man, that's great. Uh, so many great thoughts, Ken, uh, about Jennifer's great thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think what I'm hearing uh, in really connecting to is why I find uh, this idea that runs through Star Wars about, you know, your point of view matters. Uh, you know, people can uh, sometimes relate to the scene in Return of the Jedi where the point of view theme really first pops up is Obi-Wan being a little uh, shady or playing a little fast and loose with the truth. But I feel like there's just something so profound in that, that we all do have different experiences, different points of view. And like you said, uh, you and I have this certain point of view and it's it's our real life truths that we experienced and we're going to discuss it. Uh, but just to be able to say that's my experience and I don't lose anything from my experience by going, 
and Jennifer experienced that. And this is why it was true from her for her and someone who was, you know, seven years old when they saw the Phantom Menace. That's that person's experience. And a 40 year old who never liked Star Wars until they happened to sit down and Force Awakens spoke to them for some reason. That's their experience. And to just value all of those points of view and say these are all truths uh, and no, no truth is, you know, the valid truth. It's just this is one of the beautiful things about, uh, I think, reality. And I think Star Wars at its best reflects it. Like Jennifer was saying, uh, the power of look at the diversity in the cantina. Look at all these different species, all these different uh, characters, all these different points of view uh, that are reflected there. And for me, it's one of the things that I want to celebrate in Star Wars that it is clear that this idea of like, yep, we all have different points of view. And sometimes if we cling to those in the wrong way uh, and we get obsessive about only our point of view is is absolute truth that can be destructive. Whereas if we spread out and really appreciate that everybody has a different point of view and that they're, they're almost, they can almost all be valid, you know, up until the point of you know, harming someone else, which is, I think, you know, a lot of the stories of Star Wars of like, great, um, your point of view is that I shouldn't exist. That's not a point of view that that I can uh, go with. But beyond that, yeah. this idea that having all these different points of view is, is really enriching because it lets us understand each other better and then ultimately lets us understand ourselves better as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, and, and again, I to highlight what you said of like, it's just like, Acknowledging that that's what she experienced uh, does not it doesn't diminish my joy. It just it because it, because it, I experienced that joy. You know that that's real and 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 clearly she experienced great joy in Star Wars too. You know, um, but I just both can exist and you can you can, I, I can learn from her and I have learned from her. I mean, even just on a, on a level of of Ewoks, uh, you know, I mean, that, that that sounds like a flippant joke, but no, but just to you know, bah, 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 the Ewoks, Ewoks, and have look at her joy at it. It just, it just softens it. It softens it. And, and I learn from it. And then now I, now I learn a lot from the trials and tribulations of low grade chief Chirpa that I credit a, a tremendous amount of that to, to just Jennifer. If you just want to talk about characters, you know, and I'm, I'm yeah. keeping it on the surface for this example, but yeah, it goes deeper. So anyways, yeah, I just want to highlight that again. I thought that was a great point that you said, just uh, my, my journey still exists as does hers. Yeah. Yeah. So let's uh, let's dive into our journeys a little bit. And just uh, one thing I want to clarify and ask your opinion about at the top. I think there's kind of a couple different ways to talk about it. There's relating to a character, which I think, especially as adults, you can relate. Uh, one can relate to any character, right? One can mm -hmm. just see mm -hmm. a trait or a situation. And it's not as much about... Um, you know, do, does that character physically look like me? Are they the same age? Are they the same gender? All that kind of stuff. You know, clearly you and I have a ton of characters that we talk about as as adults where we really relate to a certain part of their journey. And I think sometimes that's, you know, the power of storytelling is, you know, you're, you're watching a very specific character, but they're experiencing something that's kind of universal and, and we draw connections that way. So I don't want to in any way say that that anybody can't relate to any character in Star Wars. But I think where I want to start our conversation is there's a difference between being a little older and being able to intellectually and emotionally relate to a character versus being really young. And it's not an intellectual thing at all because you're not even at that point to be that intellectual. You just have this powerful emotional connection that you don't even think about 
because that person on screen literally looks like you. Mm -hmm. And I think we're going to probably in this discussion go back and forth between discussing moments where we just on a deep intuitive level reacted in a certain way because we saw a character who looked like us or we didn't uh, versus being a little bit older and being able to intellectually emotionally relate to a character regardless of anything. Yeah, I, I don't have anything to add to that other than uh, I yeah, don't uh, intentionally confuse the two. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's that drives me crazy, you know, and and I think and, and look, you you know, we're dancing, not dan- we're not dancing around, but let's just there's there's this is a somewhat of a hot button issue, or can be turned into one. And I speak from someone who is who is generally I keep saying small town. That that generally means I am I am a a, a, a conservative uh, spiritual upbringing that I still come from uh, in a lot of ways, and so I sometimes speak into that side not side political, but that's just that walk of life going, uh, pay attention a little bit more. And that's the only maybe harsh thing I'll say this whole episode. <laughs> it drives me crazy to, to your point, to back up your point of just like, there's some intentional confusing of, of that issue there. There there's, there's all different ways to connect all, all those kinds of characters. We'll, we'll talk about it. You know, uh, Lando's absolutely one of my favorite characters. So there, we're not, we're not breaking it down to that level, but yeah, t- talking about the children, Jennifer at five, uh, you don't, you don't see that, and and just just in terms of of, of uh, on screen uh, racial diversity, whatever. If you watch New Hope and there's thirty X wing pilots being and uh, Y wings being debriefed by Jan Dodonna, if you don't look at that shot in 2020 and go, oh yeah, oh yeah, um, you know you're you're not uh-huh. seeing you're not seeing the complete picture over there. And I just want to I, I don't know I, I I sometimes just want to be more direct about it. Um, uh, just from where I'm coming from, I'm speaking to to those who followed my path or on my path too. No, that that makes sense, and I'm glad you're being direct about it. This is at, this episode of the podcast is absolutely uh, celebrating and calling for more diversity and representation, and hopefully by you and I talking about what we experienced, where we got to be represented a lot, that maybe that in our honesty and our openness, uh, that we can, you know, sort of share how great it is and why shouldn't everybody get to experience what we did? Yeah. Um, so let's start, let's go back to when we were kids and we're, we're really not talking about intellectually being able to relate uh, with uh, Lando's uh, issues on cloud city, which now I relate to now, like you got labor okay. problems. I can yeah. relate to that. Uh, um, but going back to when we were kids, um, I, if it's okay with you, I'll, I'll start out with my experience. Uh, of representation in Star Wars, which really has helped me understand that uh, when I was a kid experiencing the original trilogy, the character that I saw myself in was Luke. And that was this deep, visceral thing. It was not, I liked Luke better than Han. I remember looking in a mirror and going, oh, I'm not Han. I, I don't look anything like Han. I can't be Han. I related to Luke because he was thin and blonde. And when I was a little kid, I was blonde. And Mm. when I was a little kid, I was extremely thin, which, um, you know, it sometimes can be a hard conversation because people are like, isn't it good to be thin? And like, oh, (laughs) did you have a lot of advantages, but you were thin? Uh, That's not that big of a burden, which I totally understand. and, Mm. And it ended up not being a burden. But when I was a child, 
I was like thin to the point of like, you know, elbow bone sticking out. And it was something that was brought up to me every day. It was, I was, you know, especially in like, you know, kindergarten through third and fourth grade, that was externally put onto me as a huge part of my identity. I was not picked for teams and it, we laughingly mocked, you know, it's like French fry can't be on the team, you know, it, you know, mean kids would go to, you know, a girl and go, would you ever date, you know, a scrawny guy like Scrimshaw? And they'd be like, no, gross and laugh. And like, you know, mm-hmm. hey, it worked out. I have a wonderful wife. I'm not complaining. Right. Um, there was a time in kindergarten that we had a uh, chocolate cake was being given out and the teacher made me, made me eat two pieces because it wasn't okay to be as thin as I was. Mm-hmm. So thin was driven into me. And in the 80s in particular, you know, their muscle bound characters were a big deal. So in the, in that early original trilogy era, I, I liked Batman. I liked He-Man. Um, I was aware of Rocky and Rambo. Uh, I could never be them. You know, I could never be even as roguishly cool as Han Orlando. But a thin, blonde, uh, sometimes a little bit whiny guy who doesn't want to be stuck at home but secretly has this great potential if he could just get out there and explore it. Uh, there is so much power in my life to being able to first physically see myself in Luke where I, I couldn't physically see that in a lot of other places and then really emotionally make that connection of like, if this thin, blonde, sometimes a little bit whiny guy who's being held back has this great potential, then I must be able to have that too. And that's had a huge power in my life. Um, and I, I definitely want to hear uh, your take, what your experience was, who you connected with and why and how it impacted you when you were a kid and, and weren't able to, you know, verbalize any of this. Uh, yeah, first of all, I've, I've heard you discuss some of the Luke stuff before. And I, I, I think it's really powerful just in, 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 in I just think it's powerful in a lot of ways uh, to uh, and, and so much about Luke, Luke's character and the character that George was putting out there that we've talked a lot about just him throwing down the blade and what that means in that era, in that era. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it is the era of Hulk Hogan and Rambo and, and bigger, stronger, better. It is that era. And, and for George to come, uh, come and say, that's not always the best way. Uh, let me, let me throw this at you. I, I love hearing your, your connection to it. It makes Luke, um, it, it, it's not my direct experience. So it, it, but it, so it makes Luke even more robust, if that makes sense, you know, hearing yeah. your perspective on just Luke and how it connected with you and how it helps me see Luke in a, in a new and more expanding light is why I love hearing it and what this means. Um, mine is, 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 you know, I've talked often about Han Solo and we're going to talk about how, how, how I think I grew into <laughs> Han, the later Han, not always in the best way, but I think, <laughs> Me as as the shy kid with a you know a lot going on in his in his head. There's a lot of adventures going on up here, and I, and it's it's Harrison Ford more than Han, right? Uh, it's it's Indiana Jones and Han Solo for me. I always say Indiana Jones is my favorite cinematic character, and what that really means is, and they're both they're both so similar. They're so similar. I, I always say in the best way possible, just kind of uh, heroes in spite of themselves and bumbling through. But there is a there's a coolness to them that I just didn't feel connected to And it's a surface level. That's why Han grabs me early on, but it is the, the guy going around the galaxy, uh, having all the cool adventures, 
for me, it's like before, just, you know, getting the girl uh, from my point of view was something I was like, well, that seems nice. Cause already by <laughs> first grade, I, you know, uh, you know, a girl walks in the room, I think her name was Erica. And I, you know, I, I crumble into a puddle on the floor, you know, but here's, here's old Dash and Han, like on that level. So for me, whereas I think you saw a lot of yourself directly in Luke, I saw a lot of what I wanted to be, whether that want is, is completely right. Uh, that's, that's to be discussed later, but that it was total uh, escapism in that in, in, in wishful escapism. I wish I could be like that. And I connected with that because my, my life goes on in my head. Even now I'm just, uh, you know, I get accused of being stoic and Kenny no bothers is my nickname for my pal, Josh. <laughs> but really there's no, you know, and I do have a, a calm nature about me. That's always been, that's different from Han maybe, but, um, but there's always just a vibrant, weird world in my head and I got to get it out. And Han is that world, that adventure, uh, the right lines, the cool ship. Uh, it's all there. And, and I did, I did see that and I connected to that, uh, growing up a Han fan. Did, did seeing Han be cool, make you feel like you too could someday be cool like Han? Yes. And, and that surface surface level and, and cool is whatever, you know, um, I, I think towards the end uh, where I'm now in my life, if I have any cool points on my resume, it comes from just being who I always was the, the quiet, weird, nerdy kid. Right. Yeah. Uh, that that's in a weird way. Now I always joke, uh, Grace, uh, we'll see, you know, see another box of star Wars toys shows up. Be like, ah, oh, you nerd. And it's like, yeah. And I'm cool because of it. Um, <laughs> but in terms of just that, Again, talk about growing up and all the things you're talking about, uh, the, 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 just the, the cruelties of childhood. <laughs> there. Even if you have the best of lives, they're there uh, and, it can, and it can get only worse. But the things you hear on the playground and, and that and just, you know, to be accepted or looked up to in that way, it's not always the most healthy pursuit. But as a kid, yeah, I, I saw it a lot and I wanted to be that. I wanted to. Uh, uh, to be any, uh, just to be, to be something I wasn't. And, and, and again, I'm not saying it's completely healthy, but it, it works on that level. And, and Han is the coolest of the cool. Yeah. Yeah. And he was an example of, of what you could be and what you could strive for. Yes. And, and, and you know, and in, in the end, you, you, you know, the lessons of Han is to what you think you want is, is maybe doesn't line up with what you should be. And then you have to work your way towards who you should be. Those lessons come later. Exactly what you're talking about when you get older and you can appreciate it. Um, yeah. That's yeah, the exactly. Of the character. But. So as you were growing up then with Han as this, uh, this possibility of, uh, you know, maybe I'll be uh, cool like Han. I'd like to be cool, cool like Han. Did that ever, uh, did that ever help you? Did that ever inspire you? Like when you did get to an age uh, where you were, where you were dating, and and if one of the things you're seeing about Han is like, oh, he's so charming. He's like he's that specific kind of charming of even when he makes a mistake, it's charming. In fact, it's kind of even more cool when he screws up. <laughs> were you in, were you inspired? Did you ever think like I'm gonna try to channel Han when I talk to a person I want to date? I think it is. Uh, you know, I think it's. Uh, you know, I've never had uh, the cool spaceship. Uh, as I said before, my first car was a 1981 Ford Fairmont. I dumbed, uh, dumbed, well, it was dumb. I dubbed the Millennium Fairmont. So I've always wanted to be Han. Uh, I think it's all the things that I thought Han was would probably isn't what got any attention. It was the moments where Han is really who he is, being nice or also bumbling 
which is me <laughs> all the time, uh, which is probably what endears uh, him and Talia more, right? Um, that's probably what works. So again, it's it's as I grow, when I literally say grow up with Han and mature with Han, uh, I, I, I become, you know, become inspired to be now inspired to be more like, uh, Han's heart, but back then, yeah. It, again, it, it's it's weird to discuss because I feel as though I'm discussing the bad side of Han. Like, yeah, I wanted to be, you know, snappy, you know, uh, snappy comeback to 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 a lady or something like that. You know, <laughs> uh, not always the best way. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if bad is the right word. I mean, I think he is. You know, I think bad is like, uh, yeah, the rebels attacking the Death Star is suicide, so I'm just going to leave him. If that was the end of Han Solo. <laughs> The end of a new hope was him just watching a news hollow like, yep, that was right. I'm smart. <laughs> Maybe he'd be a bad guy. But, I, I, you know, I think it's one of the, it's the one of the reasons that the audience is attracted to him. It's one of the reasons I think that Leia is attracted to him is because while he expresses, ah, that's stupid, that'll never work, his actions don't. He's always trying something new and daring and weird. And I think, like, even though uh, on some level he's the... um he's the cool guy or the smooth guy. Uh, you know, it, it's the magic of Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford changed cinema. It's, it's the same thing in some ways with Indiana Jones of the guy who's just like, uh, he's not an unstoppable punching machine. Right. He's a guy who wants something. It, he, he's at point A. The thing he wants is at point B. And 800 things are going to go wrong. And he's just going to kind of shrug it off and be, you know, handsome and kind of funny. When I was like, well, that didn't work out and pick himself up and keep going. And I think that, you know, it's not just like wanting to be like a womanizer, right? It's not like wanting yeah. to looking up to a guy who's just like, oh, yeah, I know exactly the right bullshit line to say to a woman at a bar. His charm comes from uh, this. I've got no idea how I'm going to get over to from point A to point B, but I'm getting to point B and it's probably going to be ugly and funny as I go. But I got a great attitude about it. And I'm really charming. Yeah. And for some uh, a shy kid like me, even taking it off of uh dating life, which, you know, I was very, very much a late bloomer, but just walking into a room with any kind of confidence and faking it till you make it, a lot of that can kind of come from Han and in Indiana Jones too. I think Club Obi-Wan, you know, he looks so cool and in control. He's, he's, he's really not. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I do carry a lot of that, you know, I got a, I got a, I got a show tonight in front of 300 people. Oh God, this is, I feel so small. All right, let's just, Let's be Han. Let's just be cool and we got this. You know, and it does yep. work on the level. Uh, and then quietly it. whisper to yourself right before you go on stage, I don't know how we're going to get out of this one. But you do. <laughs> <laughs> but you do. Yeah, I think that's I think that's great. I think I, I spent, as much as I um, really related to Luke on this, uh, or saw myself in Luke on this very deep level, I also wanted to see myself in a Han. Like, yeah. uh, I think I've mentioned before, there's a, a period in high school where I tried to walk up the stairs of my high school uh, with that really stiff back, the way uh, Han walks up in that, you know, second long shot of after the cool, sorry about the mess, flip the coin. Then that like really like his, his arms don't move, his back doesn't move and he just walks up the stairs and just like for some reason that to me was so cool. And like I'm sure anybody who saw me doing that at high school was just like, did he injure himself? What did he do? You know, did he hurt himself bending over a comic book? What the hell's wrong with his back? But to me... Because I saw Han Solo do it, I thought it looked cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I really I wanted to be cool like Han, but I think the deeper impression was um, 
really that seeing yourself. I think what kind of what Jennifer said so beautifully is she didn't see herself. She didn't get to mm-hmm. see herself in these characters. So there's this question of, you know, could I be a rebel? I never had that question. I absolutely could be a Jedi because I related to this character who looked like he should be nobody. He's a farm boy that nobody expects anything from, but he's got this secret power. And that that made countless uh, wonderful differences in my life. Um, I've talked before about like almost every artistic venture I tried in my young life. Um, I was so informed by just kind of that belief that if I took a deep breath and if I concentrated, I could connect into something larger than myself. And, and I think probably what I was really doing is I was thinking about the force and thinking about star Wars, but I was really connecting to, I think um, all the human philosophy that went into creating the force of just uh, l- quieting your conscious mind and listening to your intuition and, you know, listening uh, to your gut and trusting yourself. And I think I was able to have some of the uh, successes in my, you know, early life, uh, trying out different artistic pursuits because I believed I could be a Jedi like Luke Skywalker because it was such an unquestioning thing in my life from a very young age that, of course, uh, I could have this secret power that nobody else uh, sees. And I think, well, I didn't have a ton of confidence in a Han Solo way, in a walking into a room with confidence way. When I was doing things creatively, I had this great unexamined confidence that just like Luke Skywalker, I could grow into my power, even if I didn't have power now that I, I could someday. Mm. Yeah, that's great. That's powerful stuff. Um, yeah. I'm almost jealous of your connection to Luke, man. <laughs> no, it's never too late. No, 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 no. And again, I, I do, I do mean it. It, it, it helps me go back. Uh, it really does. That's, that's the value of anyone connecting with these characters. When you hear their story, uh, doesn't again doesn't subtract from yours, but it, it it can add to just the characters. If you love Star Wars, and, and there's other movies and things to discuss, but if you're a Star Wars fan, uh, I love I love hearing these these connections. Yeah, I, you know, I think more about like Han too. It's just like um, I don't know. He's he's uh, he's bumbling sometimes. He upsets a lot of people. Uh, you know, uh, I can sometimes be spacey to a fault, but at the end of the day, like I'm always going to uh, point uh, true north towards uh, what I feel is good, and 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 hopefully that that wins the day. You know, and 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 to take that in Han. Um, yeah, and I'm trying to think of a moment of actually your step walking up the steps. Yeah, did you do anything like that? Did you try to just physically be like anybody in Star Wars? I mean, I mean, anyone in Star Wars, maybe Jabba, but uh, no. Um, <laughs> you lick your lips when you had a, a, a frog snack. You know, Vader walking down the hallway. I, I've always wanted a cape. I do want that. Um, that 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 provides confidence. But yeah, no, no. I'm I know I'm really thinking. Uh, other than play, other than playing, like playing Star Wars, that's different. I don't take that as what you're describing. Walking up the stairs, there's yeah, just got to be something for me. But yeah, no, I love yeah, it. yeah. Well, I mean, I think naming your car uh, the Millennium Fairmont, which you know we we've bonded before. Ford Fairmont and yes. it had two different ones. That was my first car too. And man, what a great car to feel like it's the Millennium Falcon. Like it's <laughs> you know, especially at the age that we were when we had them, like they were already old cars with personality that you yeah. feel like you could start by hitting the dashboard and it would fire up mm-hmm. like the Falcon. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a cassette deck on the tape, uh, you know, windows down at a crack, like weird, weird, the, the seals between the two front wind, the windshield, you know, it's kind of like two planes. I had these like little amoebas growing and I'd have to yell, uh, keep it together several times. Cause it would break down. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. Hear me, baby. Hold it together. That's so great. Uh, so yeah, I, I think I, I, I have thought a lot about my connection with Luke, but in this context, like I, I think I'm really lucky cause I didn't, it just never, because I made that connection, it never occurred to me that I couldn't, you know, be whatever the real world equivalent of is a Jedi. And it's powerful for me to hear that, you know, other people didn't get to have that experience. And it, it makes me feel very lucky and it makes me want other people to have uh, similar experiences that are that are similarly meaningful to them, uh, whether it's kids or, you know, whether it's 60 year olds uh, that they can have those same kind of connections. Mm hmm. So we talked a little bit about, you know, seeing ourselves in Luke and Han. Um, and obviously in our adult lives, we, we could talk and we have talked for hours of how we relate to other characters from the original trilogy. But going back to from that kid mindsets where without even thinking about it, we, we see or want to see ourselves in Luke and Han. Uh, what did you think of or what did you see in Leia, Lando, Obi-Wan, Mon Mothma, Jabba? How did you process some of the other characters when you were a kid and kind of casting yourself as is Han in your mind? I, I, uh, I saw them as, as characters separate of, of me. I mean, this is when you get down to the base level. Um, I, I, t- I tell stories and I tell the joke of um, when you go out and play Star Wars at recess, I was always kind of the ringleader of it, maybe a s- storyteller back then of just like, all right, we're going to do this today. And, and often it was because of this playground contraption literally a contraption with wood and metal bolted down as a slide like i don't know how kids survived the 70s and 80s and and earlier um i would hand out roles and you know i grew up in a small town i keep saying that but the the reason i say is like this isn't a a, again not a flip a joke i i I had one uh uh, black friend in my school the entire time right it was like that that was it um and he wasn't necessarily in my close friend group so when we go out and try to play I couldn't cast any of my friends as Lando. No one wanted to play him. Wow. Um, I would, and so I came up with this lie that I would tell, and I've, I, I would, it's in my book, and it's I've talked about on podcast. I've talked about it here. I would tell them, "Oh, don't worry, Lando's Luke's cousin. He has some force powers. He can call a lightsaber to him." Like I'd have to create headcanon to sell this character. And a lot of that, I'll say this, a lot of that is just like, well, Luke is positioned as the sword-wielding hero. Yes. Right. I get that. I want to acknowledge that. But, so it's not just on this base, but just that that to me is the micro level of just like, we all saw saw, our, saw ourselves in these characters. Um, you know, by that same token, by the way, I couldn't get a lot of people to be, to be Yoda because we hadn't saw him fight Dooku yet. So again, <laughs> but I'm just saying, so I myself saw these characters as supporting players to my dream of Han. Uh, now, Leia, jokes and jokes aside, both. Uh, Leia confirmed some feelings I had about my desires. Uh, you know, that was I was that yeah. Um, And it wasn't the steel bikini. You know, it was uh, a lot of other stuff. But also what I look for in a partner. I look for you know, uh, the, the little bit of the, uh, tough as nails, sassy, um, gonna save herself, but, uh, still wants to ride around in the spaceship kind of gal. That's, that's a thing, you know, and Leia, I, I, all the credit in the world. And I grew later on in life to appreciate all aspects of Leia. I still think she is the 
best example of of the best of Star Wars. I've answered mm-hmm. that question before in other shows. It's just everything about the character and why why I'm moved by Leia the character, and later on become you know inspired by Carrie Fisher's life and her struggles. Uh, you know, and what what she did with him. Uh, different conversations maybe. But going back to that day, going back to that playground, Joseph. Yeah, I, I did not see myself in these characters. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's. I, I think it's great to be honest because I think this is the process that sometimes we go through and we don't examine. And I think that is a natural extension of, I see myself in Luke, I cast myself in Luke. I would love to be able to be like Han, but I think that's beyond me. Uh, and then these other characters, while I love them and like them as a kid, I don't automatically ask myself, you know, put myself in their, in their shoes anywhere near as much. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you just got to be honest about it. I, I try not to focus on it as much because there has been, you know, so many jokes and I think the jokes get to a point of limiting her character and her value. But yeah, I mean, for me growing up as, you know, a young straight kid, uh, yeah, Carrie Fisher as Princess Leia is hugely formative, extremely attractive human being on just a physical level, uh, when you're growing up and experiencing those things. And also exactly as you're saying of, of, who she is. So I saw Leia as the absolute dream of this is beyond, beyond my imagination of possibility, uh, but I can just barely dream of it to meet a woman like Leia. Right. And and, and that is on one hand, it can be like, yeah, I got to be honest that I cast myself as Luke. Um, And uh, you know, there was still that debate early on. (laughs) <laughs> about whether Luke and Leia were going to end up together. And I probably ended up with some complicated feelings because I would fight with my brother and other kids. Like, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I recognize that there's a little something going on between Leia and Han and Empire, but I, I think Luke's still got a chance. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Uh, years and years of jokes go by. Uh, so there definitely was this, like, she is this uh, dream of a person you could meet. And I think for me... um. I grew up with a lot of uh, strong uh, women. Uh, my mother was absolutely, you know, uh, a, a leader of many decisions in in the household. Uh, absolutely same thing with my grandmother. You know, my grandmother had a an important job in a small town decades before women uh, normally did that. And she did not take no for an answer on anything. Um, so I, I grew up in a little bit of a bubble where it, it took me a little bit longer to sometimes hear and understand Um what women's experience was because my experience of women was to see them very powerful. And then in my real life, and then to see that also in Leia, it was just like, yeah, (laughs) Uh, maybe if I'm lucky someday, uh, despite all of my flaws, I can convince one of these powerful women (laughs) to like me. Yeah. You know? Uh, And so on some level, that's what Leia meant to me. Definitely. I definitely did see her as somebody, um, uh, is somebody desirable uh but also i think so, while i didn't see myself in her i also saw that power of that character right so like sure. by the time she's choking jabba in a chain i was just like you know, the, the, the fist pumping moment for her to to kill mm-hmm. jabba even even back in the day um yeah and then for me also like i never saw myself uh as obi-wan for the original trilogy because obi-wan was also that like if i'm centered as luke who is obi-wan to me right. um and Obi-Wan was really instrumental in that role for me as teaching me a little bit more about uh, what a mentor might be like. Um, I mentioned my grandmother being uh, very strong. It doesn't mean she was always great. Uh, I got some grandmother stories 
And she was really the only grandparent that I had a solid relationship with. So in a lot of ways, I didn't have an Obi-Wan role in my life. Uh, so Obi-Wan for me was almost like when other people talked about their grandparents, they was like, oh, they, they have Obi-Wan in real life. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and he helped me process just the concept of death, just watching Star Wars and trying to understand that he wasn't any, there anymore, but he was, uh, was one of the earliest experiences for me to try to understand death. And I think all, all, some of that also came from, you know, seeing the character identified with Luke mourn him. Uh, so even though I didn't see myself in some of these characters, a lot of them like provided great ideas about how I could think about different perspectives uh, in my life or, or the people around me. Mm, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The Obi-Wan one is a great example of how I know you grow into being this big Obi-Wan guy. Um, <laughs> but just how, how we cast ourselves as the leads in our own stories, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think I've told this story before of uh, I, I had the Obi-Wan action figure and had Luke and uh, really liked that he had a grappling hook. I was obsessed with his grappling hook that he uses to swing across the chasm. Uh, and uh, I, I asked my mom, I think when she was like busy doing something like so, uh, hey, by the way, I'm, I'm playing with my action figures, but technically Obi-Wan's dead. Where, where do people go when they die? <laughs> and she like, uh, heaven. I think she was real busy because she's like heaven. I'm like, cool. Where's that? It's like, well, heaven's. It's kind of. It's it's beautiful and it's it's great and it's kind of. It's above us, you know. So it's like, okay, great. Uh, so I acted out this scenario where I put uh, Obi Wan on the top bunk of my bunk beds and had uh, Luke throw up the grappling hook so Obi Wan could climb <laughs> climb back down and be alive. And I was like, I did it. I solved death. Uh, you are palpitating. Uh, you're in charge. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I did not learn the lesson of letting go at all, at all. I needed Obi-Wan back to complete my action figure adventure that particular day. Yeah. Any more thoughts on uh, kind of your perspective as a child growing up with the original trilogy? Uh, no, no. I, I mean, we're going a lot of fun places and, 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 and at times interesting, challenging, difficult places. But I was able to connect to Star Wars in a very wide level, but I, it's important to acknowledge that you also connected on a very small level and that, that, that wasn't shared. And, and again, going back to what Jennifer said, just, uh, it's, it's, I love, uh, I love the, I love the lessons of going back and, 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 and seeing what everyone experienced at the same time. I was over here experiencing one corner of it. Yeah, yeah, well said. So we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to discuss uh, what we experienced of the prequels and sequels as we advanced in age and also uh, try to uh, imagine a little bit of what we hear from other people of what perspectives we might have had if we encountered different parts of Star Wars when we were kids uh, the way we happened to encounter the original trilogy when we were kids. All that in just a moment. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at Jennifer Landa and on TikTok as Jennifer Landa 1138 Hey, Four Center fans, don't forget, Four Center is on YouTube. Head over there to catch up with our new show, Star Wars Show and Tell. Joseph, Jennifer, Ken, and special guests sit down and share favorite items from their own Star Wars memorabilia collections. Plus, there's the In Memoriam video series, encore presentations of Databank Brawl, and special programming all there for you, and more shows on the way. It's Four Center on YouTube. Check it out.
we are back to discuss more of this idea of seeing ourselves in Star Wars and also sometimes going beyond automatically just uh, instinctually seeing yourself and starting to get a little older and starting to be able to intellectualize and, and really understand why you relate to certain characters. We talked about our experience in the original trilogy, uh, seeing that as kids, and now we're going to dive into everything, all the delightful Star Wars that grew out of the original trilogy. So, Ken, uh, you and I were both young men. Mm-hmm. If I may use such a term. I, I don't know why. Maybe, maybe that's not fair. Were we young men or were we large children? We were either young men or large children when the prequels came out. Uh, who did you see yourself in then? Who did you identify with or who did you want to identify with? You know what? This is this is this question has been floating around my head since you sent it to me a few days ago. And uh I, I've struggled with the answer, which might explain some of my early struggles with the prequels. Nothing jumps out. Want to? Perhaps Obi-Wan. But I, I think I was hung up, way hung up on the, you know, is this the Obi-Wan I knew? Look, by the Which, by the way, I, I, I think it was early. That's something a lot of us, but me specifically, have never backed off on. I've, I've loved Obi-Wan then, and the prequels, and now. But, you know, I, but I wasn't seeing it directly, even though it's closer in age. So I, I definitely went to Qui-Gon. Ooh. I definitely to that direction maybe the grumpiness was already starting to set in at 22 <laughs> um not that Qui-Gon's grumpy but he's a little stoic right he's a little stoic so I'm starting to see some of that in there but I think to, to be honest I think that was some of the struggle for me is um not just in who looks like me but just in who I readily identify with and see myself in and if it doesn't jump off the the the, the screen I I feel a little left out so it's like, oh, well, that's a, well, that's a lesson. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. And that, and that, cause I, I don't have that answer. I'm, I mean, I'm trying to put myself back into Winnetka, California, 10 a.m. on that day in, two, in 1999. I'm trying, I'm trying to and walking out. I think it was just more like, well, it was Star Wars, Star Wars, but I didn't see it. And then going to not connecting with Anakin or Annie and not connecting with it and, and, not allowing for other people to connect to him and just shutting it down. Well, right. <laughs> stupid kid. I didn't need to see that. I didn't need to see that. <laughs> that, that. That means that's great for you, Ken, but, but who else needs to see it? You know, <laughs> And that's the lesson I learned later. So yeah, there you go. A little mirror reflects back up and you go, Oh yeah, that's what it's like to not immediately connect with. Someone. <laughs> yeah. Do you think since you, since you're not sitting in a seat, uh, sort of automatically, uh, casting yourself as one of the characters you're not going through the adventure do you think that even without thinking about it that adds to you sort of casting yourself as a critic as as and i don't even mean like professional critic i mean as your role then if you don't see yourself as qui-gon your role in your mind maybe becomes a guy who loves the original trilogy and does this uh live up to it and am i i'm checking the boxes is is that does that track with obi-wan is that is that kid <laughs> good yeah. you know all that stuff a little, little less because I, I you know that word canon didn't really come into my mind until much much later you know i, I don't i i love to know when that that word became this conversation um for star wars fans which which, which by the way i love you know you and i've talked often we do love a good canon connection we do love keeping with canon uh, i think sometimes that gets lost or people misconstrue what we say but yeah i think i think there was arms folded what's this giving me yeah uh, not exactly what i wanted 
So therefore, I have problems with it. Now, again, we'll allow for this conversation to include that point of, yep, the prequels weren't exactly home runs. Uh, there are some things that still, you know, we can talk about. But so, but it wasn't just that. It was just like, uh, you know, what are you giving me? The, you're not giving me what you got, what I got out of the last ones. Therefore, must be bad. Yeah, and I think that is a we we talk a lot sometimes about like what expectations or desires might have built up for the original trilogy generation going into the prequel trilogy. But I think you know the thing that you and I haven't touched a lot on in Force Center is uh, again I think on even like a deep unspoken level or on analyzed level, I think what a lot of us wanted is to just feel what we felt when we were kids again, right? Um, and yeah. a that's not necessarily going to entirely happen because that's, you know, th those are the lessons about growing up, moving on, life changes. You got to accept it. Uh, and also Lucas wanted to do very different things. Uh, so I think that has a lot to do with it. Of Not only did you not see yourself in a specific character, you were maybe looking for a feeling that you didn't immediately get. Yeah, but yeah, and, and going to... I don't, I don't know if this directly relates, Joseph, but like it, it's, as I've mentioned before, I, I think I'm going to, I might mention it in, in an upcoming, I'm trying to put together another uh, data pit episode. Just hearing George Lucas at Star Wars Celebration in 2005, just plainly in that kind of snarky flannel way that George sometimes <laughs> has of like, yeah, I'm, this movie's done. Yeah. You know, everyone wanted this uh, cool story about Darth Vader killing people. And that's not uh, the story I wanted to tell of, of the fall of, of Anakin. I think I was one of those two of uh, loved um, loved Vader and loved just what he looks like on the surface. He's a cool toy to collect. I love the redemption. I grew up with the redemption of him. So there's some power in, in Darth Vader. There's some ins inspiration to be taken from the story of Darth Vader in the original trilogy. Um, but to, to now go back to, I just remember just being really upset that he was a kid and no, I want troubled kind of tweener character is he good is he bad he's gonna do cool things that's what i wanted out of it because maybe that's how i felt because i'm trying to be you know there wasn't necessarily the han and because i couldn't connect with the han character i wanted him to be you know attack the clones i think hmm. you get a little bit it gets a little different but i'm talking phantom menace that was really i was really one of those why did we have to see him as a kid guys you wanted to see not only because it would be cool, but because maybe you would relate to uh, being 22, you would relate to still kind of angsty. If Anakin felt like the Star Wars version of the kind of guy who's just not having any luck, doesn't have a good job and, you know, listens to music alone, mm -hmm. <laughs> drives around in his car feeling sad, you would have felt seen, right? You just described me 1998 to 2000. <laughs> I mean, you just described my first years in LA. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. So I think, yeah, sometimes when we don't see ourselves, there is this desire to feel like, well, what what would the movie would the movie have been better if if I if there had been some version of me there? Yeah. Even if that's not necessarily, you know, the yeah. uh, what the creator's going for. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And we and we can connect with the other stories and all those kind of things. And I think everyone should strive to connect with the bigger stories. But that's on that base level. That yeah, that's nineteen ninety nine for me. Yeah, it's 1999. All right. Well, I I want to ask you uh, some Qui-Gon questions, but uh, let me share my uh, prequels perspective, which I think was really informative 
for me to think through it this way, um, I so deeply, deeply identified with Obi-Wan and I think it's a, a part of my ongoing love. I think I would have always loved the character in the original trilogy if the prequels never came out and I would have grown into, uh, you know, uh, an older age and seen his perspective of being the mentor uh, and all that. But man, when I was, this was coming out when I was truly taking my first steps into the world. I had been doing comedy for a couple of years, but this is the, the, the years where it was starting to like, finally have some traction and uh you know i was uh really getting to kind of like it, it, i was i was obi-wan exactly where obi-wan is in the phantom menace with kind of my comedy career and my social life where you you aren't fully a jedi yet but just come on just let me take the trials because look how good i am <laughs> like that's yeah. where i was in my life you know i couldn't have defeated a sith lord uh, but I was at a place where I was, you know, going to start growing into that power that I always felt from Luke that I absolutely could grow into someday. And now here's this guy almost the same age as me who is already has the power and is just waiting for the sort of uh, permission from the world uh, to go out there and start using it. So not only is it Ewan McGregor's a great actor and he's charismatic and it uh, connects back to Star Wars lore of, oh, oh my God, that's the moment that Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi met. It fired for me on those kind of Star Wars nerd levels. But I think on this deeper level, even though I had a ton of criticisms about the prequels, even though I made a lot of jokes about the prequels, I just saw myself in Obi-Wan and I wanted to be Obi-Wan. You know, like I can draw these parallels, but I didn't think I was as cool as Obi-Wan. And I just I can't even it's hard to put into words like I, I definitely had the conversations with people where they criticized the prequels and then everybody would go. Yeah, but Ewan McGregor is really good. And that Darth Maul fight is really good. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, it just went to this deeper level where I, I wanted to be him. And I kind of spent several years, uh, I think, in a healthy way, uh, kind of acting it out because this was, uh, you know, a time where I was doing a ton of sketch comedy started performing at a convention so it's this great time for me where it's also sort of blossoming into this mm. nerd genre stuff that had i had always had to kind of keep under my hat i now had a community who i shared it with and i go to a convention and you know perform for 500 a thousand people and do a star wars sketch and pretend to be a jedi in front of them and they love it and pretend my ratty old hoodie <laughs> is my jedi robe and you know wh whip the hood down uh, and I got so much out of, I did so many different sketches um, in that time as Luke, but also specifically as Obi-Wan and, you know, bought his lightsaber so I could pretend to be like him. And I, it was really uh, such a big deal to me. And I think it's what one of the things that carried me through, even though I had criticisms of the prequels, that I loved them. I bought them, even though I criticized them a ton. I, you know, bought all the uh, VHS, all the DVD releases uh, day one, you know, thrilled to see uh, Attack of the Clones, uh, thrilled to see Revenge of the Sith and, and all that I think carried through a little bit because I saw myself in Obi-Wan. But side note, that's just also hilarious. I hate this. Where's the VHS? Oh, it's coming. <laughs> cool. um, I love I love hearing this uh, this connection to Obi-Wan. It makes sense uh, how you've grown with Obi-Wan through the years, uh, you know, how I talk about Han. I, I, I love that. It's also weird that this is 1999 and o Obi-Wan is basically similar to the big Britney Spears song around that time of not still a girl, uh, not yet a woman. I'm just like, <laughs> that yeah. a lot of that in that era. So uh, it makes sense for all of us. Yeah. yeah. And like he definitely, you know, he makes those mistakes. Uh, but really over those, uh, you know, six years, 99 to 2005, you know, I think of what that, uh, arc in my life was from you know really really 
starting to have, uh, you know, kind of success in being an adult and being seen by the world. By, you know, 2005, I, you know, had a career for a while and I had uh, just started dating uh, my now wife, Sarah, and was really settling into like, I'm an adult now, right around the time that <laughs> Obi-Wan gets rid of the mullet. He is clearly <laughs> the mentor. You know, he has been an adult for a while and he's got the world on his shoulders and he's still super cool, still super charming. But he's also got that, you know, like that very measured, like to get to that point where the one of the coolest lines to me in Revenge of the Sith, one of the most relatable lines is, you know, when Obi-Wan says to R4, R4, no, 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 nothing fancy. <laughs> to get to that point where like, that's the cool line when he's just like, he's an adult. It's like, no, 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 no. I don't need anything fancy. I just like some black coffee. That'll be good for me today. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, hu- huge effect on me and, and at a different age. I want to ask you about Qui-Gon. Um, mm-hmm. I know you didn't like see yourself automatically in Qui-Gon, but did you think Qui-Gon was cool? Did you want to be like, did you want to grow into being like Qui-Gon the same way, way you wanted to grow into being like Han Solo? Uh, not... <sighs> Not not that direct, right? Not not uh, plus you only you only get to see a little bit of Qui Gon before he's uh, uh, the soundtrack was right and he's out of your life. Um, <laughs> I think look, I, you know, there was there's a again the actor and the and the character kind of being one, you know, being a Liam Neeson fan, maybe that helped or something. But just I, I was intrigued by oh, this is a Jedi, and and we've always heard of them. Luke says he's a Jedi like his father before him. But this is the example of it, and and I was drawn in uh, and comforted. He's a very very comforting character, and you feel that, and I like that. I was drawn to that. Now, you know, I also got stuck on the surface of, you know, (laughs) why didn't they say Qui-Gon in episode four? (laughs) Yeah, stupid. Uh, I had had those conversations around at Chili's in Northridge, California many times. Um, but yeah, I think I just was drawn in by, uh, you know, I always joke about the the Shmee scenes and the heat between him and Qui-Gon, or between her and Qui-Gon. I, I joke, Maud and I used to make that a regular segment on Jedi Lights, but I, I I think there's something there, but there's just some, it might just be comfort. It might just be safety. It might be a little bit of home. It's that sense of father that uh, we now, you know, everyone loves hearing Filoni's speech about the duel of the fates and and that all tracks and all makes sense. It's all there. And I think I just kind of liked that about Qui-Gon. Yeah, yeah. The, he he feels like the uh, adult who's a little bit of a rogue. You know, we hear about him breaking rules all through Phantom Menace. He, you know, we see him manipulate the chance cube. So he's got a little bit of that, like, you know, I'll bend the rules when I have to. Yeah. But other than that, I am a calm, thoughtful adult. And maybe not uh, not too bad of a role model. Um, yeah. Yeah. Let's cast ourselves uh, as as kids back in '99, and and I know we've we've had the opportunity, which I, I cherish, which you mentioned to through doing Four Center to hear from people, and you know we've got to hear from a lot of people who did identify with Anakin when they were a kid. Uh, do you think you would have identified with Anakin if you saw the prequels at the same age you saw the original trilogy? Oh yeah, yeah, seven. Oh yeah, absolutely. The sense of adventure you wouldn't have focused on the brewing uh, shadow and storm lurking in Anakin's mind and heart and soul. Right. You would, you wouldn't have paid attention to that. You actually probably would have been like, turn man, turn. Um, <laughs> Ace is being mean to you. Uh, but yeah, no, absolutely. Just the, just that adventure, man, that pod race. If you're seven, eight or nine watching that, I mean, I love the speeder bike sequence. 
the speed of it, but the kid winning. Yeah. There's no, you don't have to go too deep to see the connections there or to see yourself in that. Uh, man. Plus I, I, for many years had a haircut, not unlike uh, <laughs> and the eight is enough haircut from the seventies into the eighties. So I definitely would have been like, yeah, and he has a bowl cut. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's one of the things that three PO is going to help with is uh, some better haircuts <laughs> on Tatooine. Yeah, I, I think I, I it just I absolutely would have connected with Anakin. And, you know, going back to Luke, you know, like there was that promise that he would grow into his power and he kind of does in A New Hope. That think, think how much more explicit it is in The Phantom Menace where, you know, Padme is literally saying, like, you're placing our fate on this one boy. And, then, you know, that dinner conversation of like, well, this is how you should be in the galaxy. You should help people. And sometimes that means going on an adventure. Sometimes that means making a hard choice and leaving home with your mother's blessing because she let it be your choice to pursue your dream, to go off and become a hero. Like there's so much that's really putting the, um, the responsibility of the forward movement in the hands of a child uh, that I think if I saw that as a child, I would have been like, all right, here we go. Yeah, I can do that too. Give me the power. <laughs> Watch me go. Um, how do you think it would have affected your your perspective any perspectives on life your choices your dreams if you grew up with uh anakin it, relating to anakin this little kid who gets to go off and follow his dreams that's potentially deep um not to get so occasionally we get it into some uh, insightful stuff here uh, on our own real life and past <laughs> i i was a very sheltered kid a very protected kid and was not encouraged to take risks at all like just at, at times plainly told don't right. do that you might not it might not work don't do that you might get hurt don't do and and i through through growing up and through therapy and through like looking back and you suddenly see your parents as real people and i don't hold any um ill will towards that it just is what it is and i and i i choose to to build on that and be something else um now luke goes luke goes on this adventure i'm seeing myself more in han but luke's there and i absolutely connected to Probably a little bit later, not seven or eight, but maybe 10 or 11. Definitely connected to the twin sons. That's why right. it's a powerful moment for all of us. And the picture of it hangs uh, here in my office. So that's there. But it, it, for Anakin, again, seeing it on a surface level, if I'm young to your question, I'm not connecting to the other things. I'm not worried about what he's going to become. Maybe I don't even know what he's going to become. And I'm certainly not dealing with the, he's a, a, a slave child on Tatooine, right? That, that's not probably factoring. And I'm hearing the words, but I'm not registering what that really means. Yeah. Just to, to see him. Yes, this is tough. Yes. Your mother's saying you need to go do this and you need to take this shot. This is your life, your destiny. And, and we're going to, we're going to let you do this. Like, I think that would have been, that would have stuck with me a little bit more. You know, well, I almost, I'm, I'm almost jealous of the prequel kids. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and, my life i just didn't have, and again it, it, i don't I mean, this isn't a, a looking back at my parents with anger this is with sympathy and, and, and empathy for them just trying to raise two kids in in, in 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 this world yeah i just was nodding i was i would have been encouraged to uh not go with qui-gon <laughs> no yeah no i i am right there with you uh with that uh, emotional experience uh, uh you know sometimes with my parents it was definitely always with them it it cannot be done uh <laughs> or, yeah. or it shouldn't be done or you know uh, so I'm, yeah i still have those kind of, like i still you know 
what it, I still was kind of told, don't leave that secure job uh, for screen junkies. Don't do it. Like I'm right. still doing all that. So, but now you just work past it. So uh, now if it comes up again, Joseph, I'm just going to be like, Anakin did it. I'm doing it. Mother. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. No, I'm mind blowing to me to think of, of relating to Anakin being given that choice by his mother. And, you know, you can debate, you know, how much uh, that is, you know, uh, actual uh, good parenting in the real world. I, I will not speak to that, but I understand that that is a, you know, a, a rational discussion to have of whether or not you should let your nine year old choose <laughs> to go off with strange Jedi man. I understand that's a valid real world discussion to have, but in terms of sort of mythic storytelling, right. Um, that is so powerful of you, you have a gift and your, your gift will let you uh, help other people and you should go off and do that if that's what you want to do with your life is use your power to go uh, be brave and be kind. Oh, damn. That is a hell of a thing to grow up with as your role model. Mm -hmm. Obviously, takes a turn. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, he gets yeah. in his car and puts on some of that music. Yeah. And I think I think that would have, you know, I, I'm, I'm focusing on the positive. I think for myself, some of the negative might have sunk in, too. I think I might have grown up with a little bit of um, anti-establishment vibe. Don't like uh, anger at the way even more anger like I can watch it analytically, but like even more anger about how if you're feeling like Anakin to me and you watch that Jedi scene where it's like how few you cold and like they're on him and like uh you're you're thinking about your mom and you're cold like yeah of course come on get off my back like I think I might have grown up with like even more anger towards you know adults who let you down right yeah yeah all the maces of your life and I'm not <laughs> picking on mace I don't want to pick on mace no Kiati Mundi was there too damn it that's true yeah, Caddy Mundy, he's he's made some mistakes. Uh, any other thoughts on the prequels before we move on to the sequel, sequel and modern era? No, let's move to the less controversial era. <laughs> uh, you joke, you joke uh, quite successfully. Yeah, and I think as you and I are tracking our, our path as individuals through this, you know, original trilogy, we spent some time talking about, you know, we're not, we're, we're children. We're not engaging on an intellectual level until, until we're getting to be teens, 10, 12. And then we have this experience of, of the prequels where uh, we still have emotional reactions, but can uh, be much more analytical about it. For you and I, by the time we get to the sequels, uh, we are very much able to uh, step outside of ourselves and uh, be intellectual as well as emotional about our responses. So that definitely colors, I think, how you and I see the sequel in the modern era, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. You, we, we, we saw it with new eyes and, and, and we, and we've ha I'm happy to report we've grown, especially I speak for myself. I've definitely grown in how I view star Wars. Um, and it was like, you, you were geared up, you were ready this time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so with that said, um, did you see yourself or just even relate on an emotional level to, uh, any of the the brand new characters in the sequel trilogy did you did you relate to ray or poe or finn or kylo or rose or Jana or zori who did you see yourself or relate to uh, of the of those characters and this again this is now this is interesting because now there's a buffet of characters to choose from right and so now i start to become more han than i care to admit i respect luke going hiding off on an island with a beard i'd love to do that so that's great to get to those conversations i love that you're starting here joseph because it was a different feel for me 
I'll say I really do connect with some stuff about Poe, uh, just mm. from job, jobs I've had, uh, leadership positions I've been in, some that involve uh, critical decisions in fast action packed environments uh, and other, other times that are just office decisions and the idea of what's a hero versus what does a, a leader need out of, you know, need to be. Um, I, I definitely have seen those and connect those. And, and that's why I love them. And, and last Jedi, the opening, the opening sequence, there's a lot of great post stuff. I just think in one of Poe's greatest moments, you know, is this great crazy plan and he, and he saves a day and he is successful. They do take out a dreadnought and that is not a bad thing, but to see how there's lessons to be found in that, I, 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 I definitely can apply it to my life. And so I definitely, definitely see that. And I think that came a little bit later after episode seven, right. Uh, with Poe kind of being on the sidelines a little bit because it was originally a character plan to be, killed off so there's that um i understand a lot about kylo i do think he is the most interesting character uh there because it is a villainy that comes out of some bad treatment at the at the, at the hands of good people maybe unintentional as it may be and struggling with some of that stuff so there's that that's there too but i gotta tell you i i have i've heard you say you'd love to grow up and be like ray i've, I've heard you say that a lot and and i can really identify that I have been moved by the, the, especially the first steps of Ray of just feeling, you know, you're talking about your career and stuff and my stuff of just, I, I kind of crash landed into LA post uh, losing my first radio gig and, and, and not really knowing, having some goals, having some dreams. And I talk about this with one of my friends from my hometown who moved to LA roughly with me a little bit before to go to CSUN to, to study screenwriting. And, and we, came from that small town I keep talking about. And we just felt we were from nowhere and we felt we were no one. Mm. And I would come here and I would see friends who with immense talent and skills go on to great things. And I was supportive. It wasn't jealousy, but it was like, ah, I, ju I just, I can't have that. I'm not part of that story. I'm not part of this. I'm just on the sidelines um, telling some jokes here and there. And I have a day job and, and you know, that's going to be it. And, and struggling with that, internalizing that, causing some of my own failures by holding on to that. So to see, I, I am always inspired by Ray's journey to the top of those steps. That's why I talk often of, of I thought Luke Skywalker was a myth to standing in front of Luke Skywalker. He's not a myth. You're part of that journey. And what comes next is realistic struggles and challenges and obstacles. But I, I absolutely have have needed to pull inspiration from 2015 Ray looking <laughs> at that story. Just going, yeah, no, no, you you belong here. You can be here, and you can find yourself in that. And it it wasn't necessarily um, seven year old Ray on a pod racer, you know. It was a little bit older, and I was a lot older than that. And I and I always talked about how I've I've watched the sequel trilogy, particularly Force Awakens, with a new perspective on Ray as I, I was more of a protector, protective older brother to that character as a fan. Or again, growing up with Leia, I was like, I love Leia and I love Leia. You know, I didn't have that yeah. experience with Daisy Ridley as Ray. It was just this weird, uh, like, oh man, I just, I'm rooting for this character. I'm protective of this character. I still am. But f there's inspirations to be found for me in my life and my career. Uh, and, and I pulled it from it. I've of often been moved by those Jedi steps.
Yeah. Oh, that's all all sorts of great stuff. Um, and, and not surprisingly, uh, I think a lot of uh, similarities between us and how we feel. Uh, the Poe thing is really interesting to me because I love the character of Poe, but I think there is that part of me uh, where I can absolutely relate to a, a ton of the things uh, he goes through. But there's still a little part of me that's got a little bit of that Han vibe of like, uh, Poe's c- cool. He's <laughs> I can never be as cool as Poe Dameron. Like, come on, just the name, Poe Dameron. <laughs> uh, so for me, there's a little bit of that uh, with Poe. A uh, huge amount of relating to both Ray and Kylo for the good and for the ill. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it really does speak to, as you get older and, and depending on how you choose to um, approach things, that you can uh, relate to or sort of see yourself in a larger way in characters who are, you know, do not exactly look like you the same way. I just I instinctively I didn't decide to see myself in Luke Skywalker because of the themes of a new hope. It was just, I was incre- incredibly young and it was instinctual. Right. Um, and you get to that age where it's like, I, I, I believe that, you know, um, young women have there, there's elements to uh, their connection to the story of Ray that I maybe can't, quite fully understand or, or I could have told to me, but I, I, I can't emotionally live uh, the way that um, a young woman might be able to. Um, but for me, I think that there was such power in being able to connect to her story and what was universal about her story. Um, and I think you really hit the nail on the head for me. There's just, it's in some ways, it's such a classic underdog story. And I guess a lot of the themes of Star Wars of the coming of age keep coming back to that for me of, this very Star Wars idea that everyone has power and, and this, you know, generation of heroes that we follow of the Skywalkers, uh, you know, of blood and of name, all do have power. And this question is, when are they going to use it? How are they going to use it? Who is going to give them permission to use it? How are they going to reflect on having it? And I think the way you're describing that in The Force Awakens where is what I related to with Ray of like, she's clearly competent and powerful and kind and, and, you know, uh, able to defend herself because she needs to be. So I think I related to Ray as like, I'm a little bit older and I've, you know, had is, is all people who go through life. I've had a a chance to get knocked around a lot more than back when I was 25 and relating to Obi-Wan and wanting to go out on my adventure. Uh, So that seeing that difficult life and knowing that she has, Uh, gained all these skills because she has had to and she has all this power and then is holding herself back because of Mm. wanting you know that connection to her parents and luke skywalker that's a myth and then realizing not not only is he not a a myth you're in this story and you're just as important and you're just as powerful um all of that i think i could relate to the real that underdog coming into the galaxy seeing that you have power And then also just this very complex and very mature place that she's in in Last Jedi of like, got it. I okay, I have I have power. Help help me out. Where do I go? How do I do with it? What do I do with it? How do I how do I fit into it? Is very relatable, I think, as an adult. Is that kind of step beyond just give me permission to use my power, society? To I'm personally reflecting on you know, uh, the anxiety of how to use the, the skills I've been given by destiny. Mm. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And it's all, it all, it all gets down to, you know, I think there's plenty of things about 
Daisy's Ridley's per- performance that opens it up and makes it relatable, but it's a, um, yeah, it, it, a lot of relatable concepts. And then uh, Kylo, I, I think Kylo Ben Solo is, I agree with you totally that he is one of the uh, best characters in Star Wars. Totally fascinating. And, you know, he is, I think, I think, I think the sequel trilogy is very meta in some ways. Ray is the light side of growing up with uh, the trilogy of she's heard the myth of Luke Skywalker and, you know, wants to meet him and then realizes, no, I got to I got to pick up that mantle. And, you know, Ben Solo feels abandoned by his parents and his uncle has had his mind in his, you know, he's he's had his anxieties played to by Palpatine uh, whispering in his mind. Um, so you can get into that discussion of culpability, you know, but he makes these choices. But by the time we meet him in Force Awakens, his choice is entitlement. His choice is I did get to live the dream. I'm the son of all the heroes. I have all the power. Everyone's known since the day I was born that I have the power, that I'm the center of the story. And I'm still entitled and it's still not enough for me. And I'm still mad that it's not going exactly the way that I think it should. Is this, it's, it's a great character story that works in the story of Star Wars. But for me relating to it in 2015 in particular was like, you can have those tendencies. You can go to the dark side. You can go to the, don't talk to me about Star Wars. I was, you know, playing with my Kenner when blah, 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 like, don't, mm. don't do that. That lightsaber doesn't belong to you. Star Wars does not belong to you. Don't go down the dark side. Don't be like that bad part of Kylo. So I really related to Kylo <laughs> as a uh, mirror of what not to do, who not to be as a Star Wars fan. Mm. Yeah. Meta indeed, right? Yeah. Yeah, it, I think, you know, again, I, I know different fans who listen, uh, our listeners, I think, you know, are have a huge amount of uh, points of view. And I do respect just people who, who prefer to stay in the story. But uh, if I'm being honest, I enjoy the story and, and think that story works within the story. But I think it also does have this this power of how it affects me because I do see myself in Kylo that way. Mm. Mm. Like it. Yeah. So uh, you hinted at this. Let's just uh, get into it. Um, I think we know the answer to this, but Ken, did you and I see ourselves in the returning characters? (laughs) (laughs) Middle-aged Han, Luke, Leia, Lando? Oh, yes, sir. All four. All four of them. Even Lando at the end, uh, getting his day in nine. Absolutely. And I was... uh, I just uh, am continued uh, continuously shocked about how much I chose Han early for the wrong reasons. And now here at the end, I'm learning for, I hope, the right reasons. Yeah. Well, what did you see in, in Han in The Force Awakens? Did you, was it just the, those old uh, memories stirring of this person that you had looked, uh, looked up to, you know, wanted to see yourself in? Or was it fresh? What was that experience of returning to this person? Mm-hmm. I wanted him to be, uh, you know, and we, Chewie, we're home, and all that kind of, you see that stuff. So even after that, I wanted him to be the, the continuation of, of that and of what I f- was attracted to him as a character for. Just, you know, what I, what I felt like uh, I, I was a Han character, a Han fan for. Um, meaning he's still cool. He's still a swashbuckler. He's still rogue. Yeah, he's got all that, but he's fighting, and he's, you know, he's leading the resistance, and he's, and he's all those things. Um, which, which then means, you know, you forget 
or you just weren't aware, you know, he doesn't join the Rebel Alliance until Return of the Jedi. He he is Captain Solo of the Millennium Falcon. He's just helping out, and he sticks around for a long time, but he got to go. And that's why <laughs> Leia turns to him, and that's why if you read the novel, it, 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 James Conn's novelization, Return of the Jedi, read that read that section. When he says, uh, when he commits to leading the, the, the team down to Endor, like, Leia's like, I suddenly see him in, in a light I've never seen him. Han Solo's committed to something. like So for me, Han returns. He and Leia are separated, something I've, I've celebrated. I think it's a great choice. It was a different choice, a brave choice. I, I love that choice. It's a realistic choice. Um, but but Han is still run away. He, he's on the Irvana, this clunky tra- freight train of a ship. Uh, he has run away. He's separated. His son's gone and done things. He's not ready to fight. I, it's not what I wanted. But then it's not just about joining, joining the resistance or joining the rebel alliance. That's not necessarily the stuff. It's just me knowing personally, as I've grown up, like there's always, I, I believe some good intentions in me. And sometimes I just choose to turn my back on them or just turn to choose my back on people and duties and who I can be as a person and just be better. And we all can connect with that. Right. I mean, that's, that's, that's the struggle we always face every day. Just try to go on Twitter and not press the tweet button. (laughs) I think for me, but for me personally going, I'm going to, I'm going to face this way and choose this path because I don't want to face the the other direction isn't uh, who I think I want to be. And Han thinks he wants to be some. That's why it goes back to Solo, a Star Wars story. And he becomes Han Solo in the moment that he gets his name and it's on Alden's face. But then um, you and I have talked, I don't want to suddenly turn this into a solo breakdown, but to go into the Kira moment, which is in the most wanted novel, that's where she learns he's a good guy. Not because he does good things, but because he is good. Uh, light side, dark side stuff for me there almost. And mm-hmm. she knows that it isn't just be like, it's not just your rogue scoundrel with a heart of gold. He sees her and she sees herself reflected in him and not in a way that illuminates. Oh, I never saw that. Han's the first to look at Kira and see her for what she knows she is. And that represents his good heart, his good instincts and his good nature. And I feel I can be like that. And then I feel I can choose to be, eh, uh, they got Ray. Yeah. I don't want to face that. That's too difficult yeah. to face. That's what I mean more for me personally about Han committing. It's not just about joining the resistance. It's about knowing if I go this way, I am a more complete person and I'm capable of that person, but it's a lot easier to go this way and I'm going to go that way. That's how I connected to him this time around. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense of how, you know, his journey is uh, so much Going, I could just go eh, and walk away, but making that really hard choice to do uh, the scarier work, but the more rewarding work of of opening up, right? Yeah, yeah, opening yeah. up, connecting responsibilities, causes, helping others, seeing others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I definitely connected to a lot of that in Han, but you know, for me, the the huge amount of uh, seeing myself in Luke Skywalker that has been, you know, walking uh, through my entire life pretty much with me so powerful to see him in the last jedi i think that we've talked about it a lot on the podcast that sort of uh validation that you don't just sort of win the battle against the proverbial dark side once it is an ongoing challenge to be the best version of yourself i think that lesson of 
know, I think sometimes our society can just sort of be like, hey, you come of age uh, <laughs> and then, you know, uh, you settle down and you've got everything figured out and you pass on what you know, like a mentor and then you die. Right. Good. Uh, yeah. And I think the reality for a lot of us is we continue to go through challenges. We continue to kind of reinvent ourselves. We continue to question the beliefs that we've uh been clinging to of like, well, that, that belief is good, but maybe it doesn't apply to this situation and I need to shift and rethink it. And watching, uh, you know, my hero that I grew up with go through all of those, those questions and very believably, uh, wrestle with them was super powerful. And in particular, this idea that he, um, I, I think I've said this before, I really related to Yoda, Yoda's lectures for Luke uh, mm -hmm. in, in Empire Strikes Back, you know, because I was so young of like, wait a minute, uh, why is it bad that Luke craves adventure and excitement? I crave those things. And here's Yoda, who I like, telling me I shouldn't. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I think uh, I, I have wrestled in times with, ooh, I should take a deep breath and be wise. And there are other times I have uh, flown off, uh, you know, half cocked and, and I have... I feel like I have gone with Luke on that journey of trying to understand what Yoda meant in Empire Strikes Back and trying to understand uh, the power of wisdom and mastery and doing everything the right way and being responsible and, you know, being hard on yourself if you fail. So it was extra powerful for Yoda to pop in and go, hey, yeah, those things I asked you to do, you did all those. You mastered all that. You're incredibly powerful. You're incredibly wise. But advice isn't one size fits all and you it's okay that you make mistakes and you can learn from those too. So why don't you do that? And that's beautiful enough by itself. And then for his journey in The Last Jedi to end with this conversation, honestly, between a, a little bit nihilism and hope, um, it, it could be hard to be hopeful as an adult because you, you got this devil on your shoulder going, come on, that's not the way the world really works. And and Luke's given into that, right? He's saying to, hey, I tried to do everything right and I screwed up and I drove my nephew to the dark side. And that's just what Jedi do. That's what Obi-Wan did to my father. Hell, that's, maybe that's what Yoda did to Dooku. It's all been a failure. It's all, there's no point in any of it. We only make things worse. Uh, and then to come around to literally hope, to say, okay, it, I cannot let the nihilism cause me to be inactive the yeah. Jedi do have a point. You do have to stand up and defend and, and, and use your power for good because not using your power is just as much of a choice uh, as using it. And for him to come up with a incredibly creative uh, answer to doing something that he, he embraces hope, allows himself to become a symbol of hope and does it in a creative way. Uh, pacifist way was it was so powerful to me because it connected to me connecting to that character as a child and that character as a child showed me and taught me things that I needed to know about growing up and this Luke showed me and taught me things that I you know related to on the grumpy side on the nihilism side but then just gave me so much to to learn from in terms of keeping that hope alive without being naive about it yeah, the, the, the fact that Luke Skywalker, the character, can come back and have these valuable lessons at a different point in your life or the lives of, of many of the fans affected by him. And, and if you're listening, you hear hear the, the lesson of growing older and, and what that means and, and, and how who you were. And, and the I, I, I'm 
consistently challenged, I guess, and moved by not by letting your failures destroy you and putting you off sometimes literally on an island here in this case. But <laughs> I, that's something that's that's resonated with me. I think there's a little bit of that in Han for me, too, to be clear. But but for Luke to have this, I tried and failed on just a surface level and, and I am done and that's destroyed me. And and not knowing how to recover from that, I think it's. I think we're very fortunate that Luke came back to give us even more lessons. Yeah, and it wasn't just. I got the green lightsaber. Let's go fight, kid. Because I, I at one point was like, yeah, that'd be great. That'd be cool. I want him to go fight. And he's Luke, and we got, we got, we got. Uh, you know, quite frankly, just I think we got, we got more than we deserved <laughs> as fans. Yeah. We're very fortunate that he comes back in the same character. It's to teach you almost brand new lessons that are connected to the things you learn, but now they're for a different time and a different era in your life. That was, that's great to think about that. Yeah. And yeah, for me, it ended up being more powerful that he didn't ignite the green. Uh, you know, he, he went back to his, uh, his roots and he ignited the blue. <laughs> right. Very, very powerful in its own way. Um, if you saw the sequels as a kid, who do you think you would have uh, seen yourself in or related to? Oh man, as a kid, right? Man, it's yeah, even harder to uh to imagine. Do you think that is because of our our age when we saw the sequels? It could be. I mean, there's some part of me that probably would say Kylo. <laughs> <laughs> um, probably. Um, you know, just in terms of, I'll say this: just in terms of, if I'm again going to watch watching Force Awakens, um. I think Finn does some just real uh, cool things, and I, I'm going as a kid, but just doing it from the point of 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 his desires, his his goals are very good. They're they're good hearted, and we can intellectualize and go deeper into what you know. Hey, he joined. He didn't join the resistance yet. He he was connecting with Ray, and he wants to defend her. But go back to Force Awakens. Stormtrooper whip, whips off his helmet is moved by something. And then, yeah, immediately does start shooting the stormtroopers to escape. I understand that that gets brought up a lot. Um, what I wanted a scene later on of Finn going, man, I felt bad about that. Absolutely. Sure. Give me that. But as a kid, if I'm seeing that he's escaping, he's gone on this adventure, he's helping people and he gets to pick up a, a, a live stream, a, a lightsaber. Like he's, he's doing a lot of things I would have wanted to do on the playground. Yeah. You know, that's really strange because I came up with the same answer because, again, Poe would have been like, awesome. I would like to be Poe. I'm not. Uh, but there's something about Finn. I think it's partially because he has this great quality of being, uh, again, he he is he has his power. He is, you know, well-trained and he is brave and he gets to do cool things, particularly in The Force Awakens, but I would argue uh, throughout as well, but particularly in The Force Awakens. But he still does have that, a little bit of that perspective of, I was kind of locked up by the first order and that was my whole worldview. And all of this is kind of new and exciting to me. And I think that would have been really powerful for me to see as a kid. And I would have really been able to relate to that of, uh, you know, he, he's really kind of figuring out the world now that he's shaken off the sort of program into the first order. He is figuring out the world for himself and being cool and funny while he's doing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I would have definitely wanted to think like, oh, I could be, I could be like Finn. Um, Let's move on to uh, some of the other representation that there's been. Uh, we obviously had re increasing representation in Rogue One uh, Solo. I, I recognize that Solo still does have um, 
several uh, white male leads, and there's uh, some discussion to be had there about how great the representation is in Solo. Uh, then, we, of course, we have uh, The Mandalorian. We got Rebels in Resistance and all that stuff. Um, which characters in in those stories uh, have you seen yourself in or do you relate to? I mean, definitely young solo, but, it, but by this point it is uh, going, <laughs> I remember the early two thousands. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's a little bit of that. And I enjoy solo now uh, from maybe more of a, just a fan with the deep appreciation for the story. But I, I definitely think that's there. I mean, there's a little bit of, little bit of Beckett in me. You and I joke about the, we like the older grumpy guys, right? I, the, the, I, you know, you talk about seeing yourself in something. <laughs> there's some stuff. Yep. There. Um, there's, so there's a lot of that. Uh, you know, uh, my love of Radis is real, but in Rogue One, I, I think there's some moments with Jin that I connect and I understand, uh, you know, that, hey, you know, not a problem if you don't look up. Uh, you know, I remember hearing that and going, well, I don't, you know, I mean, <laughs> I don't want to face that right now. I just want to watch a space movie. Um, so there's that. Um, Mandalorian. That's a different. Yeah. Mandalorian. Yeah. I, just, I just want to an- answer grief, Karga and uh, Werner Herzog, but <laughs> I wasn't expecting to see myself in the Mandalorian, but I think by the end the reprogramming angle and, and gr- it's, it is about growth and maturation and, and rebuilding yourself. So there's a lot of things I connected with that. Um, but going to the movies, um, yeah, a lot of that. I, I did. Jen being kind of forced into, you know, essentially forced into better action, and then being convinced and convicted uh, uh, to to make those actions, you know, be close to her heart, and not just doing it to, you know, get out of any trouble with the rebellion, and and obviously some stuff with her father. But she wasn't, she wasn't eager to go back to see her father. You know, there's some, some stuff with her. Uh, that's different. So anyways, yeah, uh, that that's just kind of across the board where I connected with some. Of yeah, them. that's a great, great, great list. Uh, I think I had a, a similar reaction to Solo as I retroactively saw myself in him. Like, ah, I remember when I was that young and, and uh, ready for adventure and partially right and partially incorrect that I was ready for yeah. adventure. It's one of the charms of that. Um I think uh, Jin, one of the successful parts of Rogue One is like, I love the character of Jin and I, I, you know, learn from and relate to specific moments, but it's so successful that she has such a hard life and she is in such a, this is not my problem. I don't want to deal with this place to begin with that um, it's relatable, but I don't know if I really, you know, could say I I saw myself in her. I appreciated the story. Um, I think I had a strange relationship with, uh, with Krennic that was similar to Kylo of like, Ooh, I could see myself in that guy and I should work on that. Of, because uh, again, he's, you know, I think, I think some of it is even though I'm much older and even though I'm, you know, perfectly capable of being analytical, I think there is still some gravitating toward, uh, you know, people who look like you and, and seeing Krennic be this guy who's eh, kind of stuck in middle management and is, doesn't seem to be particularly moral about it and just ob- obsessed with his own position and his own accomplishments. I, I saw myself in a way that I did not want to see myself <laughs> in Krennic. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I like, I like that answer a lot, actually. Yeah. yeah. Krennic. Uh, and, and again, not wanting to see it, but just also there's the, there is this the 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 middle management struggle that <laughs> can be real too, by the way. But um, but yeah, I I I did see it in Krennic, and plus that cape, 
that cape. That cape's pretty great. Um, I, I can't, uh, I, I don't know exactly how to say this. I think, um, again, we're trying to make that distinction between instinctually seeing yourself versus uh, being analytical. And I think a, I really love the character of Cassian and I really love the power of when he says um, to Jen, you know, the, the great, you know, I've been in this fight since I was six years old and I'm paraphrasing, but he's saying some of us don't have the luxury of choosing, you know, when and where to care about this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, I, I want to relate to that. I want to keep that in my mind at all times. Uh, because I think that is such a powerful moment to say, you know, we, we've talked a lot about characters who, you know, choose when when they're going to join the fight or not. And for that to be represented in Star Wars, that idea of, hey, because of who I am, because of my life, because of my perspective, because of my the conditions I grew up in, this isn't an imaginary thing that I can, uh, you know, ch- it's not a far away thing I can choose whether or not I want to get involved in it is my life and I don't have a choice to look away from it is uh, in terms of a point of view that needs more representation in star Wars. That's such a powerful moment. And I uh, really um, think it's important to, to think about and discuss. Uh, Yeah, I agree. I I love Cassian for a lot of different reasons. A lot of them are surface story, uh, the rebellion against the empire reasons. And a lot of them are, um, I think there was uh, something some joys, not even joys, but just there's some, some, some people, uh, you know, fans of ours that we know, friends of ours that went and saw it and, and literally saw themselves in him, literally heard themselves in him. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I think of, uh, you know, our, our pal Hector Navarro, who tweeted out or posted an Instagram picture of took my dad to see Rogue One and, and my dad was uh, crying because he heard his accent on screen in, in Star Wars and never thought he'd see the day. Those are the stories where I'm like, if you hear that and, um, you don't see the value of that. <laughs> I, I yeah, can't help you. Um, God bless you. Um, we'll see you at the end of the party. But uh, I, I and, and so Cassian represents a lot of that, and and how and and all of kind of what we're talking about the power of of literally seeing or hearing yourself in a character, and then the power of what that character can represent to the story that that overall moves you. Anyways, he he does. He definitely deserves to be deserves to be mentioned because that's why I'm so intrigued of this character to have a series around him. Yeah. I can connect on some just like rebel reasons, but um, I want him to be out there more. And and all the other ones. Give me Ray Sloan. Give me Infos Nest. Give them all. Give me all. But um, Singer from uh, Aftermath. I want them all. <laughs> but, but Cassian uh, was a great example of how it can work. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's talk briefly about the Mandalorian. Um, I think there's a power in the storytelling of the Mandalorian because in those first several episodes of the first season, we just stay with that character. So there's not really other places to look. The If you're relating to the character, it's that character because that's the character who has a perspective. Um, and then you got on top of that, that it's a masked, you know, pretty yeah. uh, calm character where you can kind of project a lot onto him uh what what is that what was that experience for you what do you think that experience might be for other people um you know what does that uh, tell you about how we relate to a character when you have a character like mandalorian that we can kind of project on yeah you can almost anyone at that point in this season you know maybe towards the end could just like oh yeah i see myself in that mask but uh, but it's the stuff that's happening right um I, I am, I am, I am, I am kind of 
blown away about how much I've grown to love the themes and stories and things presented in that show because I was so arms crossed, not ready to enjoy it as much as the other ones. I just wasn't looking forward to it and everything. And, and, and just the, it did what it needed to do, not just give you a Star Wars off center from the main storyline with cool things that you remember and, and the pew, 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 which it has plentiful uh, amounts of, but just did the, 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 the character who has to work past trauma, a character who has to, uh, work, work past failures and a character that has to reprogram himself and, and a character that doesn't want to be part of his, his parts of his old life, but feels he, he can't quite separate from it yet and wants to work through it. all those kind of big universal themes really come jumping out at me. Every time I think about the show, I don't do a lot of rewatches of Mandalorian, by the way, this isn't like game of Thrones for me where I'm like, Oh, it's a Tuesday. Let me watch three episodes of game of Thrones. <laughs> uh, Mandalorian's got great rewatch value, but I, think about the character more than I even watch the character. And I think that's because it connects on that emotional level you, you're talking about here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's just so much powerful about the character. Uh, I talked about, you know, chapter two being my favorite because even though he's this cool bounty hunter with cool moves that we get to see right away, then almost all of chapter two is just so relatable of just like, I'm just trying to take, this package back to my ship and everything is a problem. I got to wrestle with my honor. I got to wrestle with my tech. I got to wrestle with everything. It's just like, it's very relatable of this just person trying to get through their day and heighten to this great, you know, galactic space opera level. But then when we actually kind of learn who he is, uh, he's to me, he is such a celebration of points of view that we get to uh, eventually literally physically see his point of view of a traumatized child who looks up and sees that Mandalorian mask. And it is the picture of salvation and that he's going through, uh, the, the series, uh, hell in the real world on the billboards and on the action figures. He is the face of a, you know, unknowable mystery man, badass hunter warrior. Sometimes he's prey, but he fights back. He's, he's all these things. But to know from his point of view, that mask means salvation. And when that young, innocent child looked up at him and saw that helmet, he couldn't let that helmet be anything but the way he saw it is not death, but salvation. Like when I get into it on that level, the the power of that character in celebrating points of view is just really moving. Yeah. Mm, yeah. It, 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 that show went... It went places I just wasn't expecting, and, and and maybe that's why I felt so rewarded by it. Yeah, yeah. And a little uh, commercial for season two. Uh, not surprisingly, we're going a little bit long because there's so much to talk about, and there's just so much uh, Star Wars content. But I want to touch uh, just briefly on Rebels and Resistance because I know you know a lot of people, Rebels is probably their coming of age where they related to uh, Ezra or they related to uh, Sabine or, you know, if they're... Uh, kind of a parent's age. There's a real parent vibe with Hera and Kanan. Who did you connect with in Rebels or Resistance? Was it the uh, the older parenting characters for yourself? Yeah, definitely. I, there's, there's some great stuff with Kanan and, you know, working through stuff in the past, but just I really love the teachings. I've gone back to that Darksaber arc. It's really powerful. Great stuff with Sabine. Um, it's got great lore, and I always, you know, I, I do love a good uh, lore connection, but I, Star Wars is Star Wars show. We should be more than just lore. And I want to hear about things I knew about or get answers about the old Republic is that that arc starts with that. 
but then it goes in these different areas where you learn a lot about Sabine, but that's the one where I was just like, I'm, I'm understanding Canaan on a level that I didn't previously see maybe even just as a mentor, as a teacher, or, or, or just not even about that, but just again, kind of for me, this is clearly a theme, but just like knowing you could or should be something, but you fear you can't and you don't want to try. And so you play small when perhaps you're needed to play bigger. And, and a lot of that comes out in that arc for Kanan. And that's why overall just connect the character and then going back, I, you know, I'm in this kind of slow paced rewatch just on my own for not any, any show we're doing here. And, and, yeah. and that, that's there for Kanan early on, but it just didn't really jump out at me till that season three stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's really powerful that somebody who needs to be a mentor for Ezra, but is not ready because he's hung up in the like, well, I made these mistakes and was I ever even that great at what I was supposed to be, but I need to be that for this kid. So I'll find that in myself is, yeah, that's, that's real relatable uh, as one gets older. Hera, you know, being uh, this person who is like Leia, very resolute and holding everybody together. That is uh, something I aspire to, <laughs> to yeah. be as good as Hera. Um, and then for me in resistance, Yeager, I just really, really drawn to Yeager. Um, yeah. because again, we're dealing with that somebody for me, who's a little bit closer to my age and has a little bit more of that, like, honestly, I don't think resistance is kind of intending this, but I, I think of it as a meta way too, of like where Yeager's like, see a war brewing and I know it's probably got to be dealt with, but I'm a little gun shy about dealing with it. I'm a little gun shy about leading children into it. Cause I know what it is. Cause I've been there done that. It's kind of like the way I felt like going into the sequel trilogy and knowing people were going to fight, you know, <laughs> didn't even know to the level it was going to be a war, but just like yeah. going like, you know, I fought in the prequel wars and I, I know what's coming kids and it's not all going to be a bag of laughs, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You can super, super relatable. Anyone else that we haven't touched on, um, maybe a little bit more like Jennifer said, uh, seeing herself in, just the huge diversity of kinds of uh, characters and, and species in uh, in the cantina in Jabba's palace. Is there droids, aliens, villains, etc. that you see yourself in or relate to a lot? I, uh, you know, I, sometimes I I wish I was as cool as R two. I, I really love R two. <laughs> I get a lot of K two SO. I understand. I'm, I understand K two. Uh, there's something uh, I you know I, the reason I kind of always love my Imperial officers. I, I just Take take the the team they play for aside. Just there's just there's something about Piet being like, man, I am stuck behind an idiot. Um, but, oh, but hey, now I'm in charge. The idiot's gone, uh, and that's a whole different set of problems. Uh, Moden Kennedy just being like, oh, God bless it. Uh, there's a lot of those little things on, on the sidelines uh, that I uh, you know fortunate enough to connect to. Yeah, yeah. I think for me, the one I would uh, shout out is uh, well, the, that Chadra fan who really wants a drink in the cantina. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I really want a drink to the point of like uh, reaching my hands out, like give me, give me, give me, like he does. Uh, but yeah. Yoda, I, I think I, I've said this before, so I'll, uh, I'll, I will say it quickly. But I think uh, particularly meeting Yoda in Empire as, uh, you know, somebody to be uh, underestimated, this a uh, weird, funny little guy who is actually wise. That That's powerful. And I think one of the reasons that people love Yoda is, again, this great sense of, like, underestimating and, and judging. You know, I think we all don't want to be judged on a surface level, and Yoda is one of the great examples of that, of, you know, judge me by my size, do you? And, uh, nope, judge me by, by who I am and what I do. Uh, powerful stuff from Yoda. Uh, as we're wrapping up here, I, I wanted to talk just a little bit about just 
uh, we've covered the gamut from, you know, just instinctually uh, relating to a character who might look like you or feel like you to being adults and being able to sort of rationalize uh, relating to characters, souls and emotions and all those things. But then there's the just physically looking like characters. Uh, people have uh, told me often that I look like Hux. Uh, Ken, I have told you that I think you look like uh, Boshek, which I mean is a compliment. Yeah. How do we as adults told, feel about being we told we physically look like someone in, in this thing we love like Star Wars? Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Are there downsides of it to you? No, first of all, I love being Boshek. It's, it's also doesn't just maybe look at me, look like me at one point in my life, but, but uh, the... That, that close to a life of destiny and glory, uh, but turning away from it. Uh, <laughs> while everyone else I, I worked with gets a, a job at Studio 8, 8H in New York. Uh, and that I felt that a few times. I am Boshek. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I have um, colorings of, of Han, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, the- absolutely. And absolutely. So- that's also a little bit of what it was. And I always used to dream about being in my version of episode seven and I was going to be, uh, you know, Kenny solo, uh, Elvin. No, I wouldn't have fallen to the dark side. I was going to go help them storm Jabba's palace. This is because I lived near Pismo beach and I'd go to the sand dunes and reenact, um, our, our tattooing assault on Jabba's palace. Uh, so, um, yeah, I, I, I do always love it. Uh, and then, you know, you and I have been grow these frosty beards and, <laughs> I do. I do remember. I just when you, we first saw Hamill's uh, kind of uh, beard leak out, you know, I just remember thinking, no, I don't feel bad about having some patches of gray in my beard. <laughs> do that, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I hadn't thought about that. That's people have very nicely said uh, on photos that I've got an Obi Wan beard, and that just thrills me. God, that's great. Uh, the Hux thing I've wrestled with a little bit because I think you know sure. there's that you know. Donald Gleason, great, uh, uh, successful, uh, talented, I think, you know, pretty straightforward, traditionally, you know, attractive human being. Great. You look like a whiny space Nazi is uh, <laughs> that part of it can be uh, can be hard to take. Um, yeah. yeah. And I think I think it's interesting that we should always be respectful when we're telling people who they look like, because maybe it wouldn't be a compliment to them or, you know, there's that great distinction between you physically look like them, but maybe you have that greater attachment like. When I, it was a question on some other podcast we were doing of who do we look like? And, you know, I threw Boshek out to you. Um, and I remember you just kind of going like, huh, like having a reaction. And I remember going like, oh, no, I hope I didn't make him feel bad. He's just got this great attitude that I've seen you physically have at the bar. Like, I think there is a physical similarity uh, in your appearances. And like, look up that actor. He's a roguish, good looking guy. But just the way he's leaning at the bar and going, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, over there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's got a very you vibe, but then I remembered when I said it of like, oh, be we'll be careful, you know, throwing those things out because maybe maybe Ken doesn't like that for some reason. Uh, well, I, I can assure you now that I think about it, I uh, did not I did not mean to give that impression because I like it. <laughs> good, good, good. So glad. All right, we of course could go on on this topic uh, for many hours, and we will I'm sure revisit it uh, as we go through these Star Wars adventures. But any final thoughts on the idea of seeing ourselves in Star Wars? Hey, great discussion. Thank you for leading us through it. it, it it's 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 great to go back and revisit why you connected and what levels and to to which levels you connected and and then the levels in which you didn't. Uh, you know, going back to the prequel stuff, it's a good fun conversation to have. I, I know sometimes some of the words uh, and phrases used in uh, conversations like this can be lightning rods for uh, 
discussions that sometimes go go negative or go south. And if you've reached the end of the episode and uh, you're upset in any way, we always, you know, we understand, we understand, but I, I do believe in my heart that Star Wars in story is a giant galaxy and now in our real world continues to grow and expand and that does not erase any of the shows or movies or stories that came before it and your connection will be as strong as it was then now uh, as other people continue to grow and connect with Star Wars. And that's, that's uh, the final thing I want to take and, and put out there about this conversation. I think that's all great. I think it's a really great way to say it, that you know certain words can become lightning rods and my real hope in having uh, this discussion and getting your thoughts and getting Jennifer's amazing, uh, insightful and important thoughts is to, you know, kind of unpack them from being lightning rods and just talk about, well, you know, when, when we say see, seeing ourselves, when we say representation is important, like, well, what does that actually mean? You know, and hopefully by uh, walking through our perspective that I think we're really, really lucky to have, um, hopefully I can share my perspective that there are things that I got from being able to see myself in Luke Skywalker without even thinking about it. Um, that, you know, I had to, I had to grow in, and hear other perspectives to, to appreciate in how incredibly lucky, uh, I was to have that, how incredibly lucky I have to all have all these different figures who, who look like me, uh, to see myself in. And, um, that I simply, I don't want anyone to lose anything. And I don't think anyone loses anything is the is the big idea for me. Uh, we have that representation and we will have more. And I don't want anyone to lose anything. I don't want to take anything away from anybody. I want to give to everybody. I want everyone to have uh, the joy and the impact that I have been lucky to have to see myself in Star Wars. Um, and I want to continue to grow myself and have it not just be about an instinctive, you know, gut level. They look like me and I want to continue to grow and, and see people who have are different and have a different perspective. And I want to listen and be educated by people who truly have that perspective, um, like Jennifer did at the beginning of this episode. Uh, but then I also want to be able to really enjoy and relate to the characters by just relating to the soul of the characters. What what ideas can they bring that are maybe from a different perspective than the life that I led, but still relates back to me. And to me, then that gets into, you know, ideas that I really, really love in Star Wars is that I think Star Wars is something at its best that celebrates the individual, that says we all have power, we all have meaning, and we're all connected and that we can all learn things from one another and from one another's points of view. So that's where I'm coming from, and I hope that uh, people had a good time listening, and we're always excited to hear other people's points of view. We've learned so much from hearing from fans of the years, and I hope to continue to learn more. Absolutely. As Obi-Wan would say, uh, we are all a symbiotic circle. That is right. So, Ken, do you want to tell people uh, where they can find us and all that great stuff? I would love to. You can go to Twitter at Force Center Pod, join the conversation by using the hashtag Force Center. We're on Facebook at uh, Force Center Podcast, on Instagram, YouTube as well. Starting to put up some news clips on YouTube. Subscribe over there. Podcasts available in a lot of different spots, including Anchor, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. Potentially some uh, cool big ones 
on the way. Merch is available at tpublic.com slash user slash force center. And you can support us at patreon.com slash force center. We love new patrons. Uh, we're always making plans, cool things coming like Tony Thaxton's music for all the shows. And I think we still got a couple more to go. We, we could uh, make those goals as well. We appreciate your support, but as always, one of the best ways to support the show, just give it a listen and tell a friend. You can follow me at Ken Napsock or go to KenNapsock.com for information on all things I do like books, shows, live events, and more. And Joseph, they can follow you as well. That is right. You can follow me Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can go to my website, josephscrimshaw.com for all my other, uh, my other podcasts, my other comedy albums, all sorts of stuff like that. And if you are a fan of weird fantasy comedy, uh, you can check out the show Tigtone that I am a writer for. Season one is up on HBO Max and on the Adult Swim website. And season two premieres Midnight Adult Swim uh, Sunday, September 13th. So check that out if you are so inclined. But for now, for myself, for Jennifer, for Ken, for all the different points of views in the galaxy, this has been Force Center. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.